Well, hello, folks. Once again, you're listening to the famed Biscuits and Gravy Show. On the other end of the Cleden Feed link with me is my friend Jim. Turn left in 100 feet, recalculating Nelson. How are you doing, Jim? I knew I should have taken that left turn at Albuquerque. Albuquerque, yeah. (laughs) You had to say that because I'm in New Mexico, right? That's right. That's right. Hey, um, we're going to have a good show today, as we always do. Jim, i got to tell you, our podcast is exploding compared to what we're used to getting. Uh, yeah, that kind Yeah, that kind of explosion. Yeah, maybe uh, even a little bit safer of an explosion, but it's good nonetheless. Uh, we're getting a lot of downloads. I'm, I, I'm amazed at how popular this podcast is getting with consistent listeners, too. So uh, if you're listening and you like what you hear, go to Facebook and look for the Biscuits and Gravy Bunch. Uh, if you go to our fantastic website, you'll see a little Facebook link up at the top in the header. That'll take you to it, too, ourfantasticwebsite.com. Uh, if that's too long of a website for you, you you don't like to type that many letters, just try VintageBiscuits.com. That'll take you to the same place. So, uh, anyway. I had uh, something kind of fun happen this week. Tell me about it, Jim. Well, you know how you'd sent me the, the package of... Uh, of <laughs> Yes. Uh, of... Uh, uh, no, 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 different package. Yes. Um, <laughs> you sent me a few packages. Right. You sent me the package of business cards. Yes, I did. Okay. Um, so, this, this week's shout-out goes to David. And I gave David, David's coworker, and I gave David a, uh, a, f- a few business cards and I'm coming up doing my job and he, and he's talking to like a third person and says, Hey, did you know this guy was on the radio? You need to listen to this guy here. And he pulls one of our business cards out of his pocket and hands it to another person. And I go, okay, that was unbearably cool. <laughs> That's great. That was just, I was just so, so this week's shout out, at least for me, goes out to David, Sir David. Of, of Detroit or ish. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Love all the people that, that I work with and the people that I've talked to that are coming That's on board fantastic. And, and, and enjoying the ride. We're going to see where this is going to go on. Oh, what a um, ride it is too. Yeah. Devon and days, you rock. I don't know if you're listening, but you rock anyways. Um, awesome. So, um, I really don't have any shout outs this weekend, except I'll give a shout out to Justin. I found out who our liker was on Podbean and it was Justin. So I'll give a shout out to him. Keep listening, Justin. It's folks like you that makes folks, folks like us happy. Uh, of course, other things make us happy too. Uh, that and I only with- have one thing to say to Justin. Yeah. What's that? Oh, is that a private joke? <laughs> Well, we both do martial arts. Okay. All there's right. actually vi- there's of actually pictures I should send. Yeah, right. There's there's pictures I should send that's got me, Justin, and and my instructor and fr- friend and instructor uh, Richard Georgie all in one pic. And Richard, right before the camera went click, Richard says, "Don't don't smile, don't smile, don't anybody smile." And so we're like all sitting there trying to look like the old austere kung fu masters, like sitting in a chair. And 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 Justin, <laughs> I got pics with Justin with this like almost. You know, I dare you to, I dare you to make me smile. Look on his face. Right. It was, it was pretty hilarious, but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, while we're at it, uh, I will tell you that Sarah is not with us tonight. She's visiting with her family, uh, in, uh, Illinois and we tried to get them online. They're, they're trying to use our clean feed platform and they were having some technical difficulty. So we opted to kick them out of the room tonight. No, not really. They, they we just opted. Well, yeah, I guess that's kind of what we did. <laughs> We didn't. It wasn't by choice. It, it wasn't. Was a, no. The only way to get the show rolling was to get the show rolling, and we had to. 
We had yes. to do what we had to do. And we're starting a little that's bit all that was about. a little bit later than what we usually do because we had some technical difficulties. Um but um which brings me to a, I'll just do this right now an app review. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh this is a PC app uh software. Team Viewer. Team Viewer. Yeah. Team Viewer is why you are hearing us tonight. Yes. Uh, because Jim was having technical difficulties. We were both trying to walk walk through it. And I was, try this, you know, tell him to right click on this. And then it just, just wasn't working. So we both downloaded Team Viewer. I got remote access to the computer and pretty much had the problem solved in less than six or seven minutes. So yeah. that's that's why you're hearing us today as Team Viewer. Now, uh, Jason, where did where did you come in contact with Team Viewer? Um, actually, initially. I, initially, I was working for a radio station in Alamogordo, New Mexico, and the uh, those of us that would program the automation software uh, could do it from home using Team Viewer, okay. loading new shows into the program and everything else. So we we were using a, a different platform at the time. And it just got too complicated, and our uh, the station owner said, "Let's switch over to Team Viewer," and that's what we did, and it worked great. The first time I I got in, in contact with it was from Joe, 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 that, that guy, guy that guy, yeah. that guy, Martin, Martin. Um, he he actually helped me out with a bunch of tech support in the past, uh-huh. and um, you know, I'd give him remote control of my computer, or we'd pass files one to another. Sure, because uh, it's actually got a number of a number of capacities on there. One is you can give somebody. Uh, re- one-time remote yeah, control access. Yeah. Uh, access. They got to have your password, and and it'll change. It, it'll it'll change from time to time. So once you give somebody access to your computer, it's not like they have access to your computer for time and eternity. Right. They would have to. They would have to ask for permission to get access again. Yeah. Um. But so that's one one thing that it has on it. The other thing it has is uh, like a file sharing thing mm-hmm. where you can actually pass files to one another. It's got a few other things on there that are really cool um, that I'm actually, that's actually slipping my mind, but it's free for personal use. If you're using it commercially, uh, which technically we don't, we don't fit into that category no, because this is we're not making any money yet. It's very personal. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's to me personal. It is. Right. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, we're a couple a, of personable a, fellows. We are. There, yes. there you go. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a cool thing that you if you have any use or need any kind of backup, you got a relative that you think might be able to fix your computer, but they're two counties over. This is the way. It's you, the way to do it. Yeah, it is. It it certainly and, worked, you know, and we're sitting here doing this from uh, uh, New Mexico to an undisclosed location deep in the Motown the area. Anyway, um, I'm sorry, I can't say Motown without thinking or having some sort of music playing in the background. Um, so anyway. It is what it is. I, I, there you go. Uh, let's see, a couple of other things. Hey, our executive consultant, I got to tell you about this guy, Rodney Barton. He's an awesome man. He's deep in prayer right now because uh, he's uh, having some, he's not with us right now. He hasn't gone on to a greater plane or anything, um, but he was unable to be with us yesterday when we took a trip out to... Uh, White Sands Missile Range. Jim, do you know anything about White Sands Missile Missile Range? I do not. Well, let me give you a little bit of uh, uh, the Reader's Digest education on that. White Sands Missile Range is where they, before it was White Sands Missile Range, before they named it that, I believe, it was where they tested the first atomic bomb explosion. And... It's an amazing place. They have a, the site there. It's called Trinity Site. It's where they dropped the first atomic bomb or first tested the 
atomic bomb uh, back in, I believe it was 1945. Um, Because the government knew they were going to do this, there was a lot of ranchers in that basin that they knew they would be affected by radiation. And so they pretty much evacuated these people and and took their property from them. Uh, There were lease arrangements, and they were supposed to get paid so much a month when they were out. Well, the lease arrangements weren't, they they weren't that uh, lucrative. They, I mean, you're talking about people who raised five and 600 head of cattle and were doing pretty well, and all of a sudden they lost that, and the lease arrangement wasn't making up that difference. So they got kicked off their property and told, they were continuously told over the decades, you might be able to come back in about five years. And they continued to pay leases and leases and leases. The leases, again, weren't that much. Back in 1970, when their lease was up for renewal... The government said, no, we're done. No more leases. We're just taking the property and you're not getting anything. They, Well, I said they weren't getting anything. They gave them approximately, this is from one of the reports I heard yesterday during the, the trip, 5% of the market value of the property. Not the houses or anything else that these farmers and ranchers had constructed. 5% of the value of the property is what the government gave them. Uh, it was not it was not consensual. That's a word we hear a lot these days. But uh yeah, it so that's what they got and the government said for you know, they said forget it. So it just uh that's what they got and that's that was the end of it. So these ranchers have they've disputed in court for years all of this and they they never really really won anything. So it's a sad thing, but we went out there. Uh, one of the ranchers' families, uh, they thought for years that their property had been bombed, but it wasn't, and they made arrangements with the government to come out there and visit their ranch, just kind of look out over for nostalgic sake. They're able to do this approximately once every 10 years, and the family is able to take a small group out with them by special invitation. While they're visit when on this trip when they're visiting the ranch, they also get to visit the McDonald Ranch. The McDonald Ranch House is where the plutonium core was assembled for the first atomic bomb. And in one particular room of that house, the rest of it was offices and different scientific research facilities. It's not a very big house at all. You can Google McDonald Ranch House uh, Trinity site, and you'll you'll get some pictures of the site. I am one of the few people that has got that has gotten the honor of eating lunch in the same room that the plutonium core was assembled. I ate lunch in that room yesterday. Even on the tours that they take twice a year, people don't get to eat there. They just get to walk through it. Uh, so what a what a treat! A once in a lifetime opportunity. It's rather cool. But Rock, I haven't like started to uh, glow in the dark. I'm not or glowing. Get superpowers, or not not for those extra reasons. Extra sets of arms, any of that. I glow for a lot of reasons, but that's not one of them. So. Yes, yes, so. I know. I, w- I was at your wedding. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, you're going to get me sidetracked, aren't you? So uh, we got to eat there, and then after the McDonald Ranch, we went to Ground Zero, as you would call it, the Trinity site, and they have the obelisk there. And when you're there during the times of year when it's open, it's hard to get a good picture of yourself standing by it because there's crowds just huddled around it. And uh, we we were able, our small group, everybody was able to line up and get a picture of it by themselves with it, and it was it was pretty neat. I was gonna, you know, Jim, I was gonna take San Antonio George. 
and get a picture of him at the site. San Antonio George, that's our rubber chicken club. I'll talk to you about that a little bit more later. If you've listened to the last podcast, you know all about it. But you know, this event in history was something that not only cost these ranchers their livelihood, their farms, and their way of life as they knew it, but it also, this event, eventually led to the taking of thousands and thousands of lives. And it just didn't feel right. No, I get to, it. To minimize such, uh, and I, I don't know what other word to say except sacred, and I don't mean that in the divine sense of the word, uh, but it's a special piece of ground. It's a special moment. And I, I didn't want to do that, you know. San Antonio George has his place, and that's not one of them. So, but it was a good trip. I learned a lot. We went back uh, that night at seven o'clock down at the hotel in Alamogordo with the family, and they put on a presentation of some videos where they talked to other ranchers who had had their property taken. And all of those ranchers in that video has since passed on. Uh, their children are around, uh, but. It, it's a done deal. They're not ever going to get their ranches back. They're not ever, not ever going to be properly compensated for it. It's a done deal. And uh, it's kind of sad that our government would do something like that. I understand we were talking about this early, Jim, earlier, the the concept of eminent domain uh, right. for the greater good of everybody else. And especially, you know, in World War II, um, for the the war effort, as they called it, totally get that, totally understood for freedom to have a ranch, to raise cattle, to raise a family on something like that. And that get taken away from you in one fell swoop. It's a sad thing, and it's a sad sad statement on the affairs of our government at the time, which I would say they're not much better, but that's that's an understatement. They're probably far worse than that now, just in different aspects. So... But Rodney was supposed to go with us, and he wasn't able to. But I know he would have loved it because you talk about a photo opportunity. Um, there, There's just a lot of things to photograph there, including I took a picture of a beautiful oryx. Did you get that, Jim? I sent that to you, didn't I? I, I did. That's a beautiful animal. And an oryx is kind of related to the antelope, but these oryxes were shipped into New Mexico from Africa in the 1960s. The state of New Mexico brought them in because they thought, hey, we can bring these in and advertise a wild game hunt, and they will flourish here. And boy, did they. The population has exploded on these oryxes. They have special hunts. You can hunt them by uh, state lottery and various other programs, from what I understand. But... Overall, it was a good day. A couple of other things we're going to talk about, Jim, before we get into the regular stuff on the tracker. We are on iTunes. We're on Google Play, Roku. Starting June 9th, we will be on the Leading Edge Radio Network. We'll also be on Steve Jarrett's station down in Clearwater, Florida. I believe it's Clearwater. He called me today, and that's where his number came up. On Q Star FM. And Jim, I can't tell you, they got a lively bunch over there that are really looking forward to hearing us. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, also, if you're hearing us, uh, if you're on iTunes, please, please, please go over and rate and review us. We'd love that. You'd make us happy. And if you send me an email at our fantastic website at gmail.com and tell me you did that, I'll give you a shout out on the radio, on the program. That would be great. The Rubber Chicken Club. Jim, you've got a rubber chicken this week. I sent you one. I have a rubber chicken. Have you named him yet? 
I have named him. Yes? He is Kung Pao Charlie. Kung Pao Charlie. Okay. Kung right. Pao Charlie. So we have San Antonio jo- George and Kung Pao Charlie. So you have Kung Pao Charlie. Does What does Kung Pao Charlie sound like? There you go. All right. So welcome to the Rubber Chicken Club Hall of Fame, Jim. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have these trivia contests and other contests. And if you win, we will send you a rubber chicken straight from the remote offices of the Biscuits and Gravy Show in southern New Mexico. When you get your rubber chicken... Yeah. When you get your rubber chicken, take a photograph of it with yourself. Jim will be doing that this week and sending it to me. Uh, It can be at a historical site. Um, Use respect, like we mentioned before. Um, And also, you could be doing something funny or silly or with the kids, with the family, whatever you want to do. Every now and then, Jim and I will judge the ones we've gotten in, and uh, you'll win a bigger prize based on that photograph if you're selected so that's the rubber chicken club hall of fame uh also uh, we are uploading uh videos i guess you'd call them videos of the uh podcast on youtube uh i call it a video for lack of a better word but it's a static picture of us with the podcast behind it so if you for some reason you're not able to get us on shoutcast or our website you can also go to youtube and us there so Anyway, shout out to Rodney Barden as well, my good friend, our executive salt. So, Jim, tell me, how's your day been? Oh, great googly moogly. Just busier than a one-armed wallpaper hanger. That's pretty busy, isn't it? That's pretty busy. Yeah, okay. You ever seen a, you ever seen a one-armed wallpaper hanger at work? You know, I, I haven't, but I have this funny feeling that a one-armed wallpaper hanger would be pretty fast at his work compared to a no-armed wallpaper hanger. Yeah. Maybe we could... Nah, nah, I don't even... I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what to do with that. <laughs> I promised you last week, Jim, that one of these days I would tell you the college thrift store suit story. Oh. This is good. This will teach you a lesson in greed. There were these two fellas, and I don't even know who they were because I actually heard this story from my dad. It might have happened before I went to Midwestern B.C., uh, that these two fellows went down to the local thrift store to buy themselves a sport coat. Because, as you know, we were required to wear sport coats to classes and to chapel and just about everywhere. So they went down there and they, they found these two sport coats. One was real cheap, really good value, and it was a high dollar suit. A really good brand name, something that would have cost a couple of hundred dollars, and he got it for like $25. And it was a, it was a good suit. And the other one, he bought a standard run-of-the-mill suit. It was a good quality, but not, not like the other one. And he paid like $25, $30 for it, something I don't remember exactly. But they went back to the college dorm, and they're putting their suits on, trying it. And the one fellow that bought the high-dollar one, he tried it on, he liked it. And the other one that bought the cheap one, he got a little greedy. He said, you know, let's let's try these, let's exchange these suits and see how they look and feel, you know, me wearing yours and yours wearing mine. So they did. And this, this guy got on the, he swapped the suit and he put on the high dollar suit. He said, you know, he said, I think this one looks a little bit better on me. It fits better. That one fits better on you. I'm just going to keep this suit. You just keep that one. And he was insistent on it. Well, the other the other fella, he didn't really much care for that. He didn't like that idea, but he was a real humble kind of fella and real graceful about it. And he didn't want it to ruin a friendship. So he said, oh, 
okay, if that's what you want, brother, brother, that we'll do that. We'll swap suits. And he felt a little lump on the inside pocket, the fellow with the cheap suit on now. And he reached in and he pulled out a wad of five, five $100 bills. And he said, praise God, God has blessed me today. <laughs> and that fellow that traded the suit with him was pretty upset at himself. Ooh. He was wishing he hadn't been so greedy. Well, that's what you get for be and, and taking advantage of a friendship on top of that. Yes, he got he got what was coming. Had you ever heard that story before? No. Are the are these people that I would know? I don't even know who they are. I mean, you okay. and I went to Midwestern Baptist College. It might have happened while we were there. I doubt it. You know, my dad taught there for years, right. so it might have happened back when I was in fifth grade. Uh, so I I don't really know. But when he he told me that story, and I just couldn't forget it. And I've always been real careful about making deals and trading with people because I never want to come off like I'm taking advantage of them because I. Found found out god has a way mm-hmm. of kicking his children in the seat of the pants and or such taking care of them when they're being victimized or yeah absolutely that yeah that's right and he has that's a way of, of leveling the playing field i like that jim that's a good way to put that leveling the playing field that's about right so but that that was a great story and you know going to midwestern baptist college i'll say that we had a lot of good people there we've made lifelong friends but we had a couple of scoundrels there too this is true but that's and that goes without saying that that's that could be anybody anywhere so it's yep it's that's true i mean it it, sometimes in hindsight you look back on personal experiences like that and you're like is it yeah yeah i've i've found it Historically, I've been the first person to pick on the Baptists because I am one. <laughs> right. You know, I I can do that without without any malice. Um, and, and if we're not gonna if we're not gonna take issue with our own, um, then we really don't have a right to complain. You know, you know, to criticize anybody else if we're not gonna take care of our own issues. But and so I did that for years and years and years. I would do that and be the first one to criticize the circles that I ran in for what was just criticisms what i ended up finding out is that everybody everywhere no matter what circle you 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 bump into um there's a lot of people everywhere that are just scoundrels and that the sincerity and a loyalty to truth um and a a genuine compassion for other people that doesn't come with a particular line group it comes on the basis of individuals making that choice to to embrace god's truth and and remembering that somewhere in the process of all of this that love is a truth that is taught in scripture Mm -hmm. you know so you know in the circles that we ran in i know i'm kind of chasing a rabbit here but uh in the circles that we ran in um, it was well, bless God. You know, I just I'm telling the truth, and if and if and if I'm not offending people, then I don't know that I'm doing God's work. Well, just remember that loving people was also a truth taught in Scripture. But um, yeah, it's 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 an individual choice, and it's available to anybody regardless right. of what group you're in. Now I will say and that's this, really just my point in saying that. I'll say this on the other hand: I'm tired of preachers uh, in this day and age saying, "Well, you've got to be careful because Jesus didn't offend anybody." You well, know, that's not I, true either. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I, I, the first thing I think of is, oh, really? What about the money changers in the temple? You don't think they were offended as they were being chased with a cat of nine tails? That, which is interesting too, because the Bible says he, you know, that he went in and he saw these money changers and he went back outside and he made a, a, scourge, a, a scourge of reeds. Of reeds. And which means I could just see Jesus sitting there with a sulky look on his face. 
carving away and tying these things together. He didn't. Yep. It says he went out there and made it. It didn't say he went out there and found one and picked it up. So while right. he, I imagine it took him at least 10, 15 minutes to make it at, at the. Ex- <laughs> so he had to have been thinking about what he was fixing there to do. A, there was a level of premeditation. There was. And simple. And you know what? You go into a church to the, this day where they're sell, selling whatever, you know, cookies or whatever. Now there's. You know, there's a there's a place and a time for that, but it, you you had a church that's running as a business, and if you were to go in there premeditated and and beat the pastor and the sellers around, uh, that would be considered first degree assault, and it would also in the circles that we run in be considered a sin. Yeah, but Jesus did that, so we. Gotta- and it's interesting that that was that that passage that you're citing. You, you probably have already remembered this. That there's a passage that there's a prophecy that's linked up to that. Mm-hmm. And I forget what the where the prophecy was found, but I remember the verbiage. It, it, it was the prophecy of the Messiah was that uh, he would make the statement that the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Right. You know that when he came in, he wasn't milk toast about that. He was throwing over tables. He's grabbing people by the nape of the neck, and he was chasing them out of there. They couldn't get away from him fast enough. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. You now, my my point of this is not that we are to you know be like Christ in this way. Not we're to be like Christ in every way, but we we don't want to go out and do that. You know, you know, it's it's almost the realm of the thinking of the Westboro Baptist that we're going to go out and do this because right. you know we don't want to do that. However, my point to this is is that sin is not always what we think it is. Um, because if Jesus today and if somebody did that today, we would consider that first degree assault, like I said, and a sin, but. Sin is not always what we, because if Jesus was perfect, he was no sin. He knew no sin. Um, so what he did was not sinful. So sin is not what we, is not always what we think it is. And I've learned that growing up, that a lot of things that are being taught in this world today as being wrong and sinful, a lot of it is. But sometimes we got to take a step back and look at it and go, wait a minute, let's see what the scripture actually says about this. Absolutely. So, and there, and there's a thing there's there's a balance to be had and and the balance is not like some academic uh it's not an academic fixture it is it is sincerity in trying to take god's word and apply it to our lives because you could you can make love a sin sure if if it represents cowardice uh and and, and caving in uh, on compromise in matters of truth, but by the same token, like the other folks that we had talked about, if if they take it to the well, bless God, if I'm not if I'm not offending people, I don't know that I'm doing the Lord's work. Well, either one of these, if you're taking this to the either being lazy or or, or accommodating your particular cocktail of sin, right? Um, so that you don't have to come in and try to engage this with God's truth and God's love to do the highest good according to a spirit-led wisdom and the Word of God. If you're going to be lazy on that, well, then that is sinful. Right, yep. But i tell you what, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall that day in the, in the temple. Yep. I Just, just to, because here was Christ who, who gave us the greatest commandment, um, you know, to love one another as, as we love ourselves. And, and here's here's an example of, you know what? I, here's another way to look at it. While he was beating them across the back with that scourge, chasing them around, <laughs> uh, he was still loving them. Well, you're you're right, because here's the thing. A scourge of, a scourge of reeds, um, we're not talking about something that even has a, a force continuum. You're going to be hard-pressed. You're, you're not killing anybody with that. But it... it 
but it, it's far from being able to say that this was somehow going to be a pleasant thing he, for them. He was getting their but, attention. <laughs> well, you know, if if you've ever been chased by your mama with a with, with a Hot Wheels track, you, yeah, you know she ain't going to kill you with that thing, but you don't want to be anywhere near her. And you think she, you know, she won't, but you kind of think she will at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> right. There, the, she she knows how to p- put the fear of mama into okay. you. She either got a wooden spoon let, or one let, of them little that flippers makes, off her feet, or <laughs> that flippers off her feet. That makes for a good topic. Let's segue into that. What were some of the things as a child you got spanked with? <laughs> Right. You've already mentioned the Hot Wheels track. I don't think I ever had that one. Maybe. Yeah, there's Maybe. there's a Hot Wheels track. And now, usually when I did get it, um, it was it was a little bit more premeditated. Okay. And what I what I ended up getting a lot of times is I got the belt. Yeah, the belt. That's what I. That, of course, that's okay. the classic. You know, and I feel that, yeah. sorry for kids who uh, whose fathers were barbers because they had that razor strap. You know. Oh, my dad told the stories about the razor strap. Yeah. Oh yeah, and my dad, my my dad was a cutter grinder for a lot of years, and and sharp. Uh, uh-huh. He was kind of known in in local circles for sharpening his own knives. So when he took that belt off, and that belt was two inches across, that was the same belt that he'd used to strop his knives. Yeah, the the belt and, that they wore, well, you could hear it coming through the belt loops. You knew you were in trouble. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> You started screaming before it hit the it, so, it hit the last loop. Uh, <laughs> ah, let me out of here. Yep, I remember. Uh, I think a couple of times. Oh yeah, you remember the uh, paddle with the rubber band and the ball on the end of it? Yep. Yeah. Once that it, it only took about ten minutes. Once you had one of those for the rubber band to break and the ball go flying. Right. And um, that once the, you didn't throw that away, Mama took it. That was a new tool. <laughs> so that was a new tool. Now, now, the funny thing that was said amongst my cousins was, uh, well, I, yeah, I shouldn't say names, but uh, I had no amongst my cousins. They talked about Mama getting a hold of old ping pong paddle. Yeah, that was another tool. And we and that, we had, that a had a way of grabbing you on impact. Yep. It, it, that impact wasn't going anywhere but straight into your high. And, and you know why? Because it had that little rubber mat on it that had the, the, the yeah. that The it, grippy. The grippy. And boy, it gripped too, <laughs> let me tell you. Yes. So, and then there was... Change your religion. (laughs) Yes. Then there was occasional, you've already mentioned the slipper or the shoe. uh, Right. And then there's the classic wooden spoon. Right. Now, it didn't happen in my family, but I've heard stories of, you know, mama's going and telling her kids to go out and cut them a switch off the tree. You know, I remember hearing stories about that when I was a kid, but I never had that happen to me. Did you? Nope. No, I, I I had cousins that that had happened to, but that but that leather that leather belt was always so close. It yeah, didn't need to be didn't need to be sent out for no no switches. Well, I was kind of surprised that that never did happen to us because we had a weeping willow tree. Oh, and th- those things are like uh, if you hit those fast enough. Or they hit you fast enough, it's almost like a razor blade sensation. Cuts so. you to the soul. Yep. So, well, that was a good topic. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So, oh. And change, it, change your religion in you a know, heartbeat. I remember one time I got in trouble because I did something to my sister, and I was so grateful because my dad decided they were going to let my sister spank, my younger sister. And I thought, well, okay, so... What I'm going to do is I'm going to act like this really, really hurts, um, because if they decide it doesn't, then they'll change their mind and they'll spank me anyway after I get that one. And not only that, if I act like it really hurts, they might let her do it again. And I, I knew, you know, the next time I get in trouble, I knew good and well 
she didn't have the strength to swat a fly. So, oh goodness! So that yeah, so that worked out well that time. That that worked out well that time, but uh, it never. It, it never went that way again. They never asked, told her to spank me again. So, and I never got to spank her. Well, I, let me rephrase that. They never gave me permission to spank her. <laughs> so there might have been a time or two, but anyway, uh, that's that's old. That's history. That's water under the bridge. So well, the ones the ones that I got, I ended up getting spanked Christian school. Oh yeah, they're famous for that. Oh yeah. What did you get and, swats for in school? Well, see, that's the funny thing is. I, right, I, you don't I've have got, to I've be. No, I've got no motivation to lie about this. I'm, I'm, right. I'm going to be 50 years old this month. Right. Um, but the thing was, is they had a zero policy on fighting. Well, here, right. I was the one that was getting beat up, and by the time they got around to asking me what had happened, they'd already ripped I was you. So, <laughs> Well, I was so distraught, I couldn't keep... I didn't know how the thing started. Mm. But I, I hit a certain point where uh, they, they caught a, they caught a certain, this, uh, kid. I remember his name. I'm going to say it on the air. Uh, he's sitting on my chest, slapping me in the face. He's got my arms pinned down on my sides, and he's slapping my face going... And I'd, I'd gotten to a point where I'm like, you know what? I am getting aggravated by this, but I'm going to take some control. And I says, I says, number one, you can't hurt me enough to make me take a spanking again. And number two... Two, I'm just not giving you that kind of control. And I says, you can't make me fight back. Well, in the exchange that that represented, they ended up finding the kid sitting on my chest with my arms pinned under his legs. And finally, the, the uh, superintendent of the school calls me and says, you know, what are you raising some kind of a wimp? And my mom's like, what are you talking about a wimp? And, and he tells her, sir, and she says, it's your paddle he's scared of. <laughs> yeah. It's. It's like this isn't about me. It's he he's been taking he's been taking uh abuse from these kids for and you can't seem to get a handle on any of it. What are we paying you for? And finally Mr. Nash got it in his head what had been happening at this point four years. Right. Four years and multiple times a week I was taken. Finally he says, Well, he says now that I understand that this is what's going on, you tell Jim that uh, I would not spank him as hard many times now that I understand what's going on. As hard or as many times, wow. Well, what he was trying to, he didn't want to give me a sense that I had a blank check. Gotcha. I However, kinda understand what ended that. Up, but what ended up happening next in ended up telling the tale a little bit better because he really took ownership of it. He didn't want me to feel comfortable to have a blank check, but... Uh, the same one of the same kids had been giving me a hard time ended up coming after me and I'm like yeah um, and I ended up catching him in a set of circumstances I didn't start it but I finished it and I in, wore a black eye for two weeks and tried to come back around and say oh, I'm telling my mama I'm telling my dad I'm telling my dad you're gonna get a spanking and I'm like you say a word about this I'm gonna give you a matched set Right. I says, I've been taking a spanking over you guys beating up on me. I says, and now you're going to whine about it? No, right. you're not. And long story short, um, I didn't get spanked for that one. Well. At all. Uh -huh. And Mr. Nash is like, I understand. Yeah. Let's not make a habit of this. But he, so he told me he wouldn't spank me as hard or as many times, but the man really did understand what had been going on for four years um, that that they kind of needed to learn some respect and it needed to come from someplace other than a third party paddle. But sometimes that, that third party paddle, those teachers, they were, they were the ones that were out of control. You know, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, um, sometimes, you, you know, I got two paddlings 
the whole time I was in Christian school from kindergarten to 12th grade. Um, the, this, the last time I got spanked, it was for an accumulation of demerits which you're familiar with that system. We had that at Midwestern Baptist College, yeah. although they didn't spank us. Sometimes we wish they would have, but they didn't. Um, but the the last time I, I was paddled uh, was for an accumulation of demerits. I didn't turn in so many pieces of homework, and I got, I think it was like 15 demerits in one week. week you got three swats with the paddle. And uh, I remember being marched down. The principal would go around from class to class, calling, okay, so-and-so, so-and-so, you come with me. Then he'd go to the next classroom, and there'd be a... A line of people following him back to his office. You'd stand outside of his door, and he'd call you in one at a time, and he would tell you to bend over, put your hands on your knees, three three swats, and he'd send you back to your classroom and tell you to bring the next one in. So um, that was that. But the first time, the first time I ever got swats, I did not understand what was going on because I was in kindergarten. Uh. And what I got swats, this is totally wrong. But I, I'm not going to, you know, I want to make a, disclaimer here christian schools are some of the best education our our christian kids can get into so i I don't want to make this come off and sound like they're all abusers we we got a good education we got a good upbringing sometimes there's things that happen that we didn't understand and we still don't sometimes things happen it's it's not a perfect world that aren't right things that'll happen that it just isn't right the first time i got swatted or spanked was in kindergarten and they were trying to teach us the the alphabet, not just the alphabet, but the sounds of each letter, like A is for A as in apple, B is for B as in boy. And I was having problems memorizing the patterns that they had and understanding how this, I, I was in kindergarten. This was my first six months in school at all. And they sent me down to the principal's office to give give to administer a swatting. And I got the swat, and I was in tears. I had no idea what was going on or why this was happening. And honestly, looking back on it, for that to happen to a kindergarten child, that's wrong. Yep, that is totally wrong. And and I'll say this: that's how I remember it. That may not be exactly how it was. Because kindergarten was a whole long time ago for me. But that's how I remember it. And it shook me up. And that's something that I never forgot. So, like I said, it's not a perfect world. That uh, Chris, I'll say this, that Christian school was in Festus, Missouri. And I, I attended there. Uh, it's infested I, with what? It, no, it's in Festus, Missouri. <laughs> I don't know what it was infested with. but It was infested with misery. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed going there. It was my... <laughs> first school experience that was before i was even homeschooled now now if you want to count the spankings i got in homeschool well i there's too many to remember <laughs> so but that's for a whole different reason and those ones are a little bit a little bit more difficult to... well, at that age i was not the best child and the spankings were it wasn't a matter of when you were or if you were going to get one it was a matter of when you know so that was a, a fun... were you ever homeschooled no no, did you have friends at church that were? Nope, we that homeschooling ended up coming like way after way after uh my time. Okay. Well, I was Yeah. The first time I was homeschooled, I think I was in uh either first or third grade. I think I was in first because I remember after going to kindergarten, my mom taught us at home, and I remember going to second grade at Ed V. Williams School in Springfield, Missouri, and then third grade I was homeschooled. Fourth grade, I went to Elms Road Elementary in uh, Swartz Creek, Michigan. And then fifth grade, I ended up, fifth grade through twelfth grade, I attended Genesee Christian High School, which is where I graduated from. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. You and I locked 
uh, I started to say locked horns, but um, that's not the right expression. We we I don't think we ever locked horns in college, Jim. No, I don't think I don't remember us ever having we, a problem. Com, uh, cumulatively, we both wanted to lock horns with a few other folks. <laughs> oh, the stories we could tell and the books we could The stories write. we're eventually going to tell. Stay tuned. Probably. That's right. I want some people nervous. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, moving right along. You you remember a, a week or so ago I mentioned those little sweet potato pies that we had gotten? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I got the packaging and I looked at You can buy them online. They're really good. They're small. So if you're on a diet and you've got a little bit of a sweet tooth, but you're not supposed to have all that much sugar carbs, check out the little sweet potato pies they have at HailMary.com. That's H-A-I-L-M-E-R-R-Y.com. And I'll try to remember to post that on the on the website as well. But they're really good, and I thought you might, some of the listeners out there might enjoy checking them out. And we, Jim? I have, I have one. Can you myself? <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I was going to do. No. <laughs> Um, give me two seconds to bring it up. Well, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and quote myself real quick while you're okay, bringing it up. I on. love to be quoted, even if it's just by myself, Jason Kirkman. So that's <laughs> wow, it. That's, yeah. Deep, that's isn't deep. it? That'll make you think. Yeah. Uh, no, no worries. I've... So I'll give you another one while you're pulling it up. General Patton once said, accept the challenges so that you can feel the exhilaration of victory. I like that one. Yeah. And he also said, and I like this one, if you tell people where to go, but not how to get there, you'll be amazed at the results. And I, here's one we we mentioned Ronald Reagan a couple of weeks ago. I've often said there's nothing better for the inside of a man than the outside of a horse. And a lot of people that could go different with any any pets, I guess, or rubber chicken. Maybe a rubber chicken makes you feel better. I don't know. Well, here's the first. Okay. On that. Um, let me see if this. Crescente uh, felixis pulos. Okay. Uh, which is Latin for uh, increasing world peace through the sharing for chicken. I like it. That's good. <laughs> I like um, that. The one that I was actually looking for, though, uh, is this. If if we are specs in an indifferent universe, then you have neither meaning nor value. But if there's a God. Right. Yeah. You know, here's one by, you remember Billy Sunday? Yeah. Billy Sunday was a, a famous football player back at the turn of the last century. Um, he quit baseball to become an evangelist. And he made a very interesting quote that was kind of prophetic and kind of wrong at the same time. His quote is, The rivers of America will run with blood filled to their banks before we will submit to them taking the Bible out of our schools. That's happened. It, it, you're right. It was kind of prophetic and it was kind of wrong. It, it's, it's, it, it tells you what, where his mind was at and God bless him for it. But what we have is that the rivers are running red and it's because the Bible has been yeah, taken out of the public school system in 62 and 63. Running red with the, li- uh, with the blood of the unborn. To head the list, yes. Yeah, to head the list. That's right. So, But uh, here's another one by George Washington. Be courteous to all but intimate with few and let those few be well tried before you give them your confidence and jim i'm proud to say you're one of those few with me so yep oh here's one that's really interesting this will be my last one do you remember who marvin gay was yeah yeah because you're from the motown area do you remember how he was killed i do he got in an argument with his father and his father shot him oh yeah sometime before that happened he had this to say if i do my job well then god will smile on my offspring and on their offspring i'm sure my father is seeing a blessing in me think about that for a minute yeah so he might have for a little bit but uh i don't know didn't didn't seem to turn out that way so let's see jim let me ask you a question did you do you have any favorite restaurants when you were a kid that they're no longer open 
I did. I did actually. Uh, over in Troy, there on along 19 Mile and what was 19 Mile in Rochester, um, there was a Chinese restaurant, Red Dragon. Uh-huh. And it was actually the place where I had first gotten introduced to Chinese food. And now it's become the measure that I judge all Chinese food by. But it was for people that aren't into Chinese food, there's actually different styles of Chinese food. And there was. There's a style of Chinese food that was actually adapted for America that's called New York style Chinese food. Really? Yep. And and uh Red Dragon had the best uh sweet and sour chicken. It it was wow. that gold is that really rich gold sauce. And then it, they were the one of the ones that started giving you the the, the Hawaiian yeast rolls. The big oh, yeah. sweet yeast rolls. Yeah, and so between that and and their their egg roll, everything that they had was just phenomenal. And now it's like every once in a while I'll catch a little a little scent, a little taste, a little whiffage of one of those elements of the Red Dragon Chinese food. And I'm like, oh, that's that's the stuff there. That's what. I, but yeah, the Red Dragon was one. Do you, do you remember um, Burger Chef? Burger Chef. I remember Burger Chef. You know, here's, I'll let you in on a little secret. My mother-in-law, your adopted mother-in-law, or no, your adopted mother, um, anyway, she used to work at Burger Chef. Oh. Yeah. So I didn't know that. Another one. Until uh, recently. Do you remember the Red Barn? I have heard of it, but I don't think I ever ate there. Out out near the Pontiac Mall was our stomping grounds back in college. Uh, there. There used to be a place right there by the by the Pontiac Mall uh, that was called the Red Barn, and I I didn't know it at the time, but I guess it was a nationally syndicated or nationally uh, it was it was a, a na- nationwide mm-hmm. restaurant, and it was like almost like the Chick Fil A of its day. Okay. Um, but uh, went there one time, and my sister bit down into a, a chicken sandwich, and it had a piece of lead shot. Oh wow! Yeah, don't know what to do with that, but there it is. I've had that happen before with rabbit, but not from a restaurant. Yeah, it's kind of a little odd. Makes you wonder what, how are you, right. how are you killing these chick? <laughs> I wasn't aware that that was an efficient way to kill chickens for a restaurant. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Okay, huh? Well, um, yeah, Howard Johnson are they're not even around anymore, are they? I don't think. I so. I don't think they are. So, um. I, I did eat a restaurant here recently that I liked. I might have mentioned this already. I ate a Yak Burger. Yes, at the Mineshaft Restaurant in Madrid, New Mexico. That's where they filmed that uh, show Longmire. That was the scene, the place where they filmed the scenes involving the Red Pony. Our waitress was actually a extra. She was one of the waitresses in that. It was pretty interesting. Uh, it's a good, uh, it's a modern Western. Is. Um, Jim, do you, what do you carry? What's your everyday carry consist of? Uh, Don't you well, like how I, I can a... switch gears real fast? Yeah. Um, well, of course, you got your wallet, you got your cell phone, um, and I got like an Android J3, so nothing, um, Samsung Android, a Samsung J3. Um, but, of course, I have my, my keys on a little, one of these brass Carabiner? snap rings. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, I get I get mine right out of the hardware. Right. Um, Do you carry any no- of this stuff attached to your belt, or is it in your pockets, or a mixture? Um, I don't carry a lot of stuff in my pockets. Uh, I'll, the only other thing that I'll have is uh, I've got a Columbia River Knife and Tool Company blade that I'll carry, a uh, four-inch blade, Crawford Casper that I'll carry in my in my one. And other than that, I don't put a lot of things in my pockets. You might catch me with a little bit of leftover chain or something. Sure. But that's really about it. Do you find that you're, sometimes when you're carrying a lot with you that your pants tend to slide south? You kind of kind of cinch that belt up a little bit? Only if I only if I've forgotten my belt. Oh, okay. Well, um, when you're built like a funnel, like me, 
I, I got that from a, a preacher at Midwestern. I asked him why he never wore a belt. He his response was, hey, "You ever try to put a belt on a funnel?" Um, <laughs> You might know who I'm talking about. I don't know. But anyway, um, I have discovered, and I actually discovered this when I carried a pistol every day. It was part of my profession. There are these things called Perry suspenders. They're made by Dickies, and they go great on a belt. Um, They are suspenders, but instead of the little metallic clips that clamp down on your pants, they have these clips that slide up under your belt, and they hold your belt up. And if you're carrying a gun or a knife or something that weights down your pants, or maybe even you're not carrying anything at all except that little spare tire, tire under your skin, uh, <laughs> these Perry suspenders are great. Uh, I've, I've had a pair for a long time. Uh, Sarah bought me two extra pairs. The pair I had before was black. She got me a royal blue one or a navy blue one and a tan one. I absolutely love these things. They're fantastic. So that's, I just give those a plug real quick. I, I really enjoy wearing those. Uh, they seem to help me. And, and they kind of support my back a little bit too. So nice. that's that's good for me. So for my everyday carry, usually a pocket knife. Which one? Um, I have a whole slew of them to choose from. And some of them I don't like. I bought a knife. I saw an ad on the uh, internet that said, the world's fastest pocket knife, spring assisted. And uh, it's totally free. We're giving it away. You just pay shipping and handling, and the shipping charge was $10. And I thought, well, why not? So I ordered it, got it here, and it was a nice-looking knife, had a nice sharp blade. The problem was it was so fast that when you opened it up, it would bypass the locking mechanism, and it wouldn't unlock to where you could close it. You had to take a little screwdriver and push that little lever down before you could close it up. For those of you who carry spring-loaded knives, you kind of know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. And, And I don't I don't use that. I don't carry it or anything. I keep it at my desk. If I need a letter opener or something, I'll gently open it up and use that. But you got to be careful about that free stuff you get online. Yeah, that's true enough, especially especially if you do plan on having it be there, God forbid, um, defensive purposes. Right. What I, what I kind of lucked out with is um, when I first bought, at first years back, I carried a, uh, a Benchmade AFC, uh, what was it? AFCK, which stood for Advanced Folding Combat, um, okay. which which actually was a lot less intimidating than what it sounds like, but it was a solid knife, and somebody had um, given it to me. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have had the money to carry something that expensive. Uh, Benchmade makes good stuff, but it also tends to be kind of kind of on the pricey side. Um, but then Columbia River started, Columbia River Knife and Tool Company, they started uh, coming out with some stuff, and they tended to keep their prices pretty reasonable, but the, but the quality of their products was was really really good now their prices have kind of come up uh but uh mr crawford and and casper were uh custom knife makers Mm -hmm. and they you know as is sometimes the case uh knife companies like like columbia will get a license uh from some of these custom guys to be able to mass produce uh some of these knives and and about that time they came out with crawford casper uh and it was only like fifty dollars at the time um and i i grabbed one of those i love that knife i carried that thing 12 years and the, i made one alteration to it on the belt clip so that i could carry it um in a way that i'd reach in with my thumb into my pocket and be able to to, to kind of cinch it down like you well like you pinching somebody right and and i i give that a flick and the blade had come out and it would already be in a reverse grip if god forbid i needed uh, the funny thing was is they they the price started to go up on them and then they stopped making them all together and then you could find them for anywhere between 20 and 25 dollars and then they like all disappeared huh but if you ever but if you ever have a chance to to check the knife out and you can get one um i tell you what 
I when I had the chance to get a get another one, I bought two of them. Yeah. Um, because that first, like I say, that first one I had lasted for twelve years. Hmm. Um, and do you, know, you got, do you remember go that? Ahead. Do you remember that time at college? Don't ask me what I was doing in the dumpster. I don't remember. But I found in the dumpster a Vietnam era K bar. Was that in the dumpster? I thought that was in the. Um... It was in the dumpster. Uh, I, I know that you were working in the print shop. Yeah, I was taking some some trash out from the print shop. And I think what it was, I was throwing this trash away in the dumpster, and I looked down and saw it in the bottom of the dumpster. I think that's how I came across it. So, but yeah, now, it was how, in the dumpster. Do you remember how long that was? Oh, it was uh, it was a combat size. I I think overall length was uh, about a foot. The overall length. Okay. For some but, reason, my br- I remember but I that. Remember. But but for some reason, I'm thinking that you you didn't have the regular one. That you had the um. The quartermaster's version of that, uh, I, which it, it may have been. I can tell you, it had the hard plastic sheath, and it had the the real thick canvas belt looping. I do remember that, and I wish I still had that. But I remember what happened to it. I had it under the floorboard of an old Chevette. That's that's the 1980s disposable Chevette, the car that right. Chevrolet came out with. That that was an amazing. Well, that's a, we could do a whole show on the Chevette. Yeah, on the Chevette. So, but uh, anyway. I, I had that in the floorboard, and I ended up selling that car, and I forgot that it was there, and I lost it. But that was an interesting. Um, there was a there was a cool knife I had when I was about fifteen years old. Of course, I probably could have gotten arrested just for carrying. It was um, I'm trying to remember. They called it an Explorer boot knife. The blade it was double edged, but the blade was only like three inches long, and you could pick it up for I think like thirty thirty five dollars. Huh. And and it was a cool little knife, but in in retrospect, the the blade material wasn't that high a quality it was like a 440 stainless but everything back then was but it but it was it was cool and it was well made other than being 440 stainless um it had this these ebony handles on it and little nickel right. uh, rivets um and i liked that well enough but of course by the time i ended up finding one on on ebay there was one that was just beat to pieces that they wanted going on 80 90 dollars for us forget that so uh, of course i took up and decided i'm going to make my own and but only if i'm going to because i like the design the geometry on it was just really really cool but i figured if i'm going to do this and i'm going to use some some decent materials so i got an old horseshoe rasp of course now you're dealing with uh high carbon high carbon steel right and i softened that thing up and shaped it and it's actually still in process but I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to do something uh, with a handle on it, or whether I'm going to leave the uh, the, the rasps from from the sure. file on there. Um, but it's I'm kind of pleased with where it's at so far. Okay. Well, I have um, to send you. I have to send you. Yeah. A picture let later. me know what you're going to do with that. I am curious. It is about time to wrap up the show. I will say this, Jim. One one other topic, real quick. Uh, last week I got a phone call, and I've heard these were going around. And the message actually said when I when I answered the call, I got a recording. It says, "This is the Social Security Administration. Your social." security number has been compromised please call and the number they gave was 844-850-3389 now i'm told they're using a lot of these numbers they're basically once you call them back and a lot of people are especially older people and um some other people who may just be and i mean this in the nicest sense of the word ignorant as to what's happening here they're saying yeah we believe your social security number has been compromised can you please for confirmation purposes provide us with your social security number well of course they do and that's at the point where it's been compromised 
obviously. Right. But be careful about phone calls you get like that. Uh, we've talked about that, and especially somebody saying if uh, you that you owe taxes, and if you don't make a payment right then over the phone, they're going to come and arrest you. The police are on their way. That's what they told me. And usually they want you to pay with some sort of iTunes gift card. Now, that's ridiculous. No, uh, The IRS isn't going to call you like that, even if they did, or even if they sent you an e- a letter not an email, but a letter, a certified letter, they're not going to ask for an iTunes gift card for payment. So uh, be careful about that. I know that there's a lot of folks out there. Folks, even um, those of you who take care of elderly parents, please inform them to not take any calls like this, or if they get anything, hang up, report it to somebody so that they can investigate it. we got to take care of our families. Another one like that is ransomware. Well, you'll get Yes, um, that's 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 some insidious stuff. They'll get you on the phone and drag you through it. And, and okay, well, we can fix this for you, but it's going to cost you blah, blah, blah. You, you know what? I nearly I, got taken advantage of. I'll that tell you what the time. best thing to do if you get a pop up that says click here to download the software to fix this problem, this Don't. is what you do. You turn your computer off. A cold shut off. Hold that power down button and restart it. Now, I know you're not supposed to turn off your computer that way. But to avoid a virus like that, I found that's the best way. Yep. Restart your computer. If your browser at opens up and it says your computer did not shut down properly, do you want to restore the last opened windows? Click no, because if you do, you're right back where you started. So yep. anyway, this has been the Biscuits and Gravy Show. I'm Jason Kurtman. Please leave your Amber Alerts on on your phone. The life you save may be someone that you know and care about. Good night, Good night. everybody. Good night.